What if the very thing your neighbor needs is for you to take that really awkward first step and go over there and introduce yourselves, not so that you can tell them about Jesus, but so that you can just be in their lives and let God do the rest? Maybe the thing you need is that courage, like Philip, to just go even when it's hard and when danger could come. Say, this good news still matters. And no longer do we just invite people in to sit passively and listen and then scatter and figure out the rest of the time. We're going to scatter with this good news and meet them wherever they are and share with them. It's going to be okay, even if it's not right now. We're going to offer hope and comfort and peace to those in need. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. Today marks a significant end of an era. Yes, that's right. We are ending the book of Acts today. But no, that's not the significant end of the era. So we have been going through the book of the Acts or the book of Acts over the course of this summer. And we are finishing this portion of the book of Acts today. And next week we're going to start something new. And we may come back to Acts later. And so there's a real tangible something's changing and ending today. But in the story, the reason we're ending here is because in the story today, what we see is something changes everything. Today, an era that had been going on since the beginning of time changes. Specifically, the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 begin to come true today in Acts chapter 8. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Right before he ascends into heaven as he's died and risen from the dead and spoken with his disciples and spent 40 plus days doing ministry, caring for them, teaching them. And now as he's preparing to leave, he says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. If you have been paying attention so far in the book of Acts, Jesus' words have not yet come true in the first seven chapters. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so far they have been his witnesses in Jerusalem. But today everything changes. If you recall last week, The other, Adam, he spoke and he shared about the gift of martyrdom. And he shared a quote from an early uh, church father in the second century who said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Martyr, which means witness. One who witnesses to something. The blood of these witnesses will be the seed of the church. 
Today, as we get into Acts chapter 8, we see the church begin to grow in new and exciting ways. Here we go. Flip ahead, Acts chapter 8. If you would like to follow along, feel free to use the blue Bibles in front of you. If you're upstairs, they're on the sides by the wall. If you have a phone, you can get that out and use your Bible on your phone. That's okay. In the blue Bible, we're on page 1143, Acts chapter 8. If you recall Acts chapter 7, we saw the stoning of Stephen. And no, this wasn't 420, a great celebration. This was putting him to death because of his faith. And there was a guy nearby named Saul. And as they were killing Stephen, they laid their coats at Saul's feet. Basically, hold my coat, I have something really important to do. And he complied. Not only did he comply, we see in the beginning of 8, he was in favor of the killing of Stephen. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is the state of the church this time. The one who not only witnessed and approved the execution goes on his own crusade. House after house, dragging them out and throwing them in prison. As we've already seen, being thrown in prison also meant being beaten at times and tortured at times. What happens later in the book of Acts that we're not going to get to today, Saul, this very man, goes on a, a hunt to actually imprison and kill as many Christians as he could. Life gets hard for many of us, but I have never lived in a season where this was the state of the church that I was a part of. Yes, this is still happening. Martyrdom and persecution still happens all around the world, but it's never happened in my lifetime in this church or here in America. We've had individual moments where somebody with a bent comes against the church and something really unhealthy or bad or terrible and traumatic happens, but as a whole, we have been blessed to never live in a time where doing what we're doing right now could cause us to be dragged from our homes and thrown in prison and tortured. Now, how many of you have heard that there are two cardinal rules when you have dinner or guests over for dinner? What are the two things you don't talk about? Religion and politics. Why is that? Well, a big reason for that, especially the religion is because we have a culture that has isolated and alienated faith and said faith is a personal thing, not a public thing. And there's a truth to that, in that if faith doesn't personally change who you are and how you see this world, your faith is missing some of the rich depth God has for it. But we have wildly erred in believing that faith being personal means that faith is private. Faith is never 
been private. It's inherently at its core been communal. Faith is togetherness, holding fast when times are tough, standing firm against an enemy. Faith is the very thing God gives us in Ephesians to defend against attacks of the enemy and to do so together. Our faith cannot be private. Now, I could imagine as Saul is ravaging the church, there could have been a temptation. Well, if we just tuck it away, hold it to ourselves, keep it in, we can have this hope and this faith and this life, and we won't have to deal with imprisonment and torture and maybe death like Stephen did. That's not what we see the church does. In fact, as we've talked about earlier, they rejoiced in being counted worthy to suffer like Christ. They celebrated that what they believed in was worth not only living for, but dying for. And they celebrated those who would hold fast no matter what. Stephen dies, and we see something spectacular happen. This good news that Jesus has conquered death, that Jesus has risen from the dead and is alive still today, this good news that not even death can stop him, for a while was just being shared there in Jerusalem. But thanks to persecution, is scattered to Judea, which was like going from Knoxville into all of Tennessee, right, into the greater region, and from there into Samaria, which was not like going to Tennessee, but like Arkansas, or Alabama, and as Tennessee fans, we really want to avoid those places generally, right? It was going to the place your very enemy would live. Now, why is this such a significant shift? Before we get into the rest of Acts, let me just back up. If you remember the people of God, all the way back with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were sent to go to the ends of the earth, and what did they do as quickly as possible? They stopped going, and they settled down. And they built cities. And in those cities, they built temples and houses. Specifically, they built one temple, one place of worship, and only in that one temple could you encounter God. And if you read the Old Testament, though they were encouraged, and not only encouraged, commanded to go and fill the whole earth, what they did instead was withdraw and say, we want just our space and our life and things to go well for us. And it became such that most of the Old Testament you read, if you wanted to meet with God, to hear his word, to encounter his presence, to be forgiven, the way you did that was by leaving your home and going to the central spot, Jerusalem. And there in the temple, you were able to connect with God and be strengthened and encouraged and sent out from there to go back home until next year when you did it again, over and over and over again. Here, because of persecution, that all changes. The, the central way the church grows is no longer people coming from outside and gathering in, but those of us who are on the inside going out, leaving our comfort and our norm and leaving the things we love to go to those who are far and to share with them this good news. Here's what happens. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now again, a little bit of history, Samaria was a really terrible place. 
You see, when the Jewish people were scattered from their land in exile, they were taken away to help try to combat the Jewish faith. The, the people who scattered them then imported a bunch of immigrants from other places and had them intermarry, and that was Samaria. And so for any good and upright and righteous Jew, you knew that Samaria was a place you avoided because those inbreds were backwards, and they worshiped the wrong God, if any God at all. And those people weren't good enough for your God. It was so much so that when Jesus was doing his ministry and he started walking through Samaria, his disciples were like, whoa, 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 we can't, we can't go there. What do you mean, Jesus? Like, shouldn't we go around the long way? It's like, no, I'm here to do something altogether different that you're not familiar with. The gospel begins to scatter and it goes to Judea and then even Samaria, the place of their enemies, the place they were uncomfortable, the place they did everything they could to try to avoid because of persecution. That's where this good news begins to go. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. If you remember, Philip was one of the seven guys with Stephen who was chosen to care for those who were hungry, who were being neglected. And this man of mercy and compassion and kindness because of persecution, goes and continues sharing that mercy and compassion and kindness. He preaches the word and accompanies it with signs and wonders, and the sick get healed, and the oppressed get set free, and everybody is amazed and filled with joy. Mostly. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. There's this random story here that I love because it's about this magician, as you just heard, who has all kinds of great power and great following and people love him and they're flocking to him. Wow, you're so cool. They think he's great. Isn't that the desire of most of us? If only the people around us think that I'm something and that I'm wonderful, he has it all. And then along comes Philip and Philip's doing the same thing, but surprise, he's doing it for free. And he's not doing it in magic and his own power to make himself great. He's doing it in humility to serve and say, look, this king I serve conquered death. Let me prove it to you. Let me show it to you. And now Simon discovers what made him amazing and great is no longer so amazing and great. He needs something new and something better. That's the way it is when we chase things that glorify us. They always eventually leave us empty. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. 
Philip, because of persecution, is scattering and preaching the good word and doing good things and healing the sick, and this is changing lives. And so the church notices and says, hey, let's send Peter and John to not only encourage and to bless, but also to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit you guys are missing out on. And they come and they do just that. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands to receive the Holy Spirit or may receive the Holy Spirit. Again, Simon is following this new good news but for selfish gain and Peter calls him out. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the guile of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. See, Simon had this heart where he said, I like what Jesus is about, but only if it really blesses me further. If it advances my career or my reputation, if people think more highly of me, then this Jesus and this Holy Spirit, that's worth it. Peter says, don't you realize that's not what any of this is about? See, Jesus called every one of his disciples to lay down their life for him. As we saw with Stephen, some quite literally did. In fact, as Adam said, 11 of those very same disciples eventually were killed for this message. They were called to lay everything down for the sake of proclaiming this good news. Simon comes along wanting to lay some things down so he can gain even more. And Peter rebukes him. And Simon responds, forgive me, I have sent. We don't know anything else about what happens to Simon. Did that power and, and that gift of the Holy Spirit work through him that he continued to amaze people, but not for his sake, but for God's? We, we don't know. But what we see is the gospel is preached throughout this whole land of their enemies. And then it continues, beginning in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. I love this story for a lot of reasons, but one of them being, we see the juxtaposition of the old and the new right here in one chapter. Why was this eunuch in Jerusalem? He had come to worship. That's what he'd been told to do. If you're faithful, if you believe in God, you gather in Jerusalem. It's all about this place, and here you experience God and receive his gifts and his forgiveness, and then you go. And you might be saying, well, how did this Ethiopian know about Isaiah? 
Think all the way back in the Old Testament to a guy named Solomon. If you've not heard that name, he was the son of David and Solomon was filled with great wisdom. He's the one who built the temple in Jerusalem, who built so much of Jerusalem to be this magnificent city. And the queen of Sheba, that is Ethiopia, was drawn to him and came to visit and was so enamored with all of the things he had and the life that he was living and the wisdom he shared and so enamored with everything. She said, surely your God is God. And that queen of Sheba goes down to Ethiopia believing in this Jewish God. We often think that Judaism is just about Israel and yet we see in the Old Testament God is constantly going out and reaching people you wouldn't expect. And so she goes back to Ethiopia and the Ethiopians then are faithfully trying to follow the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh. And they're faithfully trying to live according to the law of God and it's growing in number there. So this new queen, Queen Candace, sends one of her eunuchs to go with treasure and worship in Jerusalem on behalf of the people. Come and worship probably for the Passover, the very same Passover that just a few months prior Jesus had had been killed at. And so, here's this eunuch, and he's reading from Isaiah. Philip comes along, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before a shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? This comes from Isaiah 53, a wonderful passage you should look up later that's all about the one who will come who's oppressed and afflicted, who suffers and dies, and through him the sins of the world are taken away. This eunuch was close, but not quite. He knew the Old Testament. He said, who is this about? At which point Philip begins to teach and explain. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotoas, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea, which is in the north of Israel. So now Philip has traveled most of the length of Israel, north to south, sharing this good news. And the Ethiopian eunuch takes this good news and goes back to Ethiopia. In case you don't know this, much of our modern Christianity comes from Ethiopian Christians 2,000 years ago. Did you know that? Ethiopia, they claim today to be 
historically Muslim, but that's not the case. Ethiopia has been Christian far longer than Israel or Rome or most of our Western world because of Philip. In fact, the Ethiopian church today, just the Lutheran church in Ethiopia, not even all the rest of the other Christians, right? Because there's a lot of Christians who aren't Lutheran and that's okay too, right? Just the Lutheran church in Ethiopia has grown so rapidly that they anticipate growing by 5 million people in the next 10 years. Just put that in perspective. Five million people would be like 10 times the church, the Lutheran church in America today. And they think they'll do that in the next 10 years because so many people are being drawn still to this day to this good news that Jesus is risen. And I love this story here because it's right there in this really weird section. This is the time when the church should not be growing. People are coming under attack and being dragged from their houses and beaten and killed. We should be private and silent and just wait this time out. And yet, it's in that persecution and that hardship and that suffering that the gospel moves not further to go inward to be within ourselves, but outward for others. And for you and I today, this still goes on. You and I have been invited to this very promise that the good news of Jesus is going not just to our city and our neighborhood and our community, to the ends of the earth. It's actively moving forward even as we face opposition and challenges and all kinds of hardship. And you and I are invited to join the early Christians in that mission. Now, some of you may at some point go literally to the ends of the earth sharing the gospel. You might end up in Ethiopia or some other place. And it's certainly possible that some of us, as we go, may end up persecuted. But every one of us is called not to invite people in to this place where they can hear the good news, but to go out to where they are, to meet them in your cubicle at work, or at the bar when you're having a drink, or in your neighborhood, or your house, they live there and don't know. And to go from our comfort zone and what we know and what we like and the bubble we want to stay in, and to be pushed out of that into their life, wherever they are. And you and I, as we go, will have opportunities to share this good news. I love this. Peter, he begins with the scripture and tells them all about Jesus. Not Peter, Philip. He begins with scripture. He's like, look, I see what you're coming from, what you're asking. Let me tell you about Jesus. And far too often in our culture today, because faith and religion is private and personal, we don't want to interfere and possibly disrupt somebody else's world. So they can believe what they believe and I can believe what I believe and we'll just coexist side by side. But what if this is still good news for those who are hurting? What if the very thing your neighbor needs is for you to take that really awkward first step and go over there and introduce yourselves, not so that you can tell them about Jesus, but so that you can just be in their lives and let God do the rest? Maybe the thing you need is that courage, like Philip, to just go even when it's hard and when danger could come. Say, so this good news still matters. 
And no longer do we just invite people in to sit passively and listen and then scatter and figure out the rest of the time. We're going to scatter with this good news and meet them wherever they are and share with them. It's going to be okay, even if it's not right now. We're going to offer hope and comfort and peace to those in need. This is why we're ending Acts right here. Because what happens next, we see the very man Saul who hated Christians becomes a Christian. When you and I, when we as a church faithfully move out of our seats and into the streets and begin to go to people where they are, rather than expect them first to come to us, even our biggest enemies can become our allies. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the church that they left Jerusalem to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We thank you that you are still active today, moving to the ends of the earth through your people. Give us the faith to believe, to stand firm against every attack, to seek you when things are hard. May we leave our comfort and our security and our safety to go be with those who don't yet know how much you love them, to go seek and serve those who are lost. God, may we, like Philip, go wherever you lead us and say whatever you have for us to say, that this good news may continue to go forth in Knoxville and in Tennessee, in the USA, and all the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. We believe an offering in this place is an opportunity to join God in the work that he's doing and say, through my finances, I want to trust you're going to share this good news with other people. And so if you came prepared to give today and you would like to give with cash or check, or if you filled out one of those physical connect cards with a prayer request in a way that we can join you in this battle together, please drop those in the popcorn buckets as you exit before you leave. If you are someone who prefers to give electronically and you came prepared to give a gift today, you can do so online at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now, if you're in that community of people who's like, hosting in my home sounds terrifying. Well, let me just encourage you real quick. The next practice of becoming like Jesus and doing what he did that we're going to be focusing on as a church is learning to eat and drink with people, all right? Because Jesus did that a whole lot. So if you're like, I like hosting people, but it's scary or I don't really like it, uh, don't worry. There's going to be a whole lot of grace to not do it perfectly. In fact, we're all going to be learning together how to practice hospitality and invite people into our homes, all right? So please let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. Now, every week we invite questions, and I do my best to respond. Kaylin, what questions came in this week? Well, we have a few. Oh, I can shout. No. Is it on? <laughs> yeah, she's on. <laughs> I can shout. It's okay. We'll use a different mic if need be so live stream can hear. So the person who was scheduled for uh, sound this morning uh, got COVID and let us know yesterday. So uh, Emily stepped in last minute to say, hey, I'm here to help. If that's something you would like to help with in the future, we'd love to train you. Should we use a different mic?
It's okay to come as you are and not have technology work. Testing. Hey, there we go. Awesome. So We're what here. questions came in today? All right. First question is this, more of a statement, um, but I have been struggling with depression and anxiety, and I don't know how to tell my parents because they don't believe in that stuff. So I'm asking for advice if you have any. If your parents don't believe depression and anxiety are a real thing or something that you can struggle with and have Jesus, let me just tell you, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. Um, in fact, I think it's really good. And so if your parents are not comfortable with that and you don't know how to talk to them, please come talk to myself or Adam or Emily or any one of us and we will help you find the resources that will help you find healing. And we will not only help you find those resources, we'll help sit down with your parents and talk together and say, hey, this is a real problem and it's not a lack of faith and a lack of believing in Jesus, but we're gonna get through this together, okay? So come talk to one of us, we'd love to help you. All right, and then in light of people having COVID, um, someone else said, pray for the Stokes because they have COVID. So it's Jay and Chrissy, Jay usually plays up here and Chrissy's in the sound and they both uh, had to cancel today because they have COVID, mm -hmm. along with several others. It appears a lot of people have it right now. So, mm -hmm. so Definitely praying for them. Uh, someone else asked, what does it take to be baptized in this church? What does it take to be baptized in this church? That's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, have you ever been baptized in a Christian church before? Because we believe baptism is a gift God gives to us, and so you don't need to be given that gift multiple times. If you've already been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we celebrate that you are one who is baptized. And if you've never been baptized, what that takes is coming to talk to me, and we will make it happen. In fact, I think we've got three lined up in the next like month and a half, and I'm super excited. Let's make like six or 10 or 20 more. That sounds good too, okay? Um, so that's the simplest answer. There you go. Cool. All right. This next question is, Acts 8.16 mentions that the Sumerians had been baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not come upon them yet. I had always understood baptism as the time when the Holy Spirit enters your heart. So why did Peter and John have to pray and lay their hands on them for the Sumerians to receive the Holy Spirit and not through baptism alone. We see a weird conundrum in the book of Acts. And I say it's a weird conundrum because uh, sometimes theology is not really black and white and super clear. And, and what happens in the book of Acts is there are times when somebody gets baptized and then immediately the Holy Spirit comes upon them. There are other times when people get filled with the Holy Spirit and they're like, oh, we should get baptized. And then there are other times still they get baptized and it's not until later the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And so what do you do with the fact that these three things seem to contradict? Well, what we believe in this place is that baptism is the gift of the Holy Spirit and that there's also a reality in which you may not recognize that gift in your life. And so sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes in power in other ways, that's to help you see what God has already begun in you. And so we believe if you are not baptized and you're following Jesus, praise God that he's brought you to follow him, now get baptized. And if you... Uh, are baptized and you're not following Jesus, well, start following Jesus like you've been baptized. And so at any point, just be baptized, all right? That's long you, story short. Have you ever seen Nacho Libre where he's like, his, his wrestling partner hasn't been baptized and he's really torn apart by that? And so in the bathroom, he kind of sneaks up behind him with his bowl of water and he's like, be baptized. That's kind of what I feel like right now, right? Just, just do it. Excellent connection. Um, this I got next quality question. in here. Okay, um, someone else asked um, in Acts 8, 39 to 40, 
it states that the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and he found himself in another. Does this suggest that God zapped Philip to one place to another? I've always wondered that. Like, I don't know, maybe. No, I like the verbiage of zapped. Yeah, personally. zapped is way more fun. I've always thought like teleported or transported. Zapped is way cooler. Maybe it happened. I'm, I'm not really sure. It's kind of ambiguous. Uh, it could be that like carried him as in led him away and he saw him no more and that he, they never again met or crossed paths. Or it could have been instantaneous. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you're just like walking down the road and Jesus is like, hey, by the way, and all of a sudden you're someplace else. And you're like, I don't know how I got here, but here I am, God, I'll keep doing what I was doing there and see what happens. So maybe. <laughs> all right. And then the last question that we have today is how do you know if the Holy Spirit has come upon you? You cannot call upon the name of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. So if you're able to believe in Jesus, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's that simple. And now, does the Holy Spirit also give good gifts that you may or may not receive? 100%. So if you're able to believe in Jesus, praise God that he's done that. And if you're not yet baptized, let's do that. And if you are baptized, say, hey, God, these gifts are for the sake of helping to share this good news. Are there any good gifts you would like to give me to do that? Uh, just a quick clarifier, those gifts are not requirements of faith, as some people say. Like In some churches, if you don't pray in tongues or you don't heal the sick, you must not really believe. That's not at all the case. Those are like bonuses and additional things that he says we should earnestly desire and ask for, but the greatest thing is love. Um, so we should love others and love God, and out of that, if he gives us more good gifts, that's fantastic. There was one that came in right before church that was more of a comment, so I'll, I'll share that. Yep. But for those of you who know Johan Weaver, um, he had surgery in Cincinnati earlier this week on Thursday. Uh, he regularly, every couple of years, needs some pretty lengthy surgery, so I think it's like a 10 or 11-hour surgery. He's healing well and doing well, um, but keep the Weaver family in your prayers. And if you are somebody who likes to cook, they will be back in town later this week. And we're going to have a meal train to help provide some meals for them. Now, I do know they have a lot of food allergies in their house. Um, but we'll get all of that to you if you're interested in cooking and you would like to help bless them in this time. Uh, we'd love for you to sign up for that meal train. If you're not on Facebook, just reach out to me and I'll help connect you with that meal train. All right? Cool. Well, before you go, one last thing. How many of you have taken time to get your picture taken for the directory in the last month and a half? That's what I thought, about half of you. How many of you have been here plenty in the last month and a half, like, I'll do it next week, and next week never comes? Any, anybody? I'm really good at doing things next week, okay? Well, if you're waiting until next week, let me warn you, next week is the last week if you want to be in the directory. So what we want to do is help people connect faces and names and get to know one another a little better. So if you would like to be included, take time this week, not next week, and get your picture taken so that you don't miss out and you can be included. All right? Kaylin will be back there here in just a moment to take your picture. So just stick around. Let her do that. It'll be awesome. It'll be quick. You'll look lovely, I promise. And then you can go about your Sunday. Now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. 
simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.